Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy, the TDN Podcast. Fantasy Podcast. With your host, Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome into the TDN Fantasy Podcast. Paige Demakos, Jake Arians, Jamie Eisner, and man, we have a lot of news to get into because. We, our last podcast, it's, it's, a, it's a joke, okay? Every time, without fail, it happens a lot during the season. We will finish recording a podcast and not five to ten minutes after that podcast is finished recording, Twitter goes off with insert big news. The insert big news that happened last time our podcast finished up was a pretty big deal. And that deal was Patrick Mahomes signing a long-term, close to half a billion dollars. There's a lot to get into here. And Jake, Jamie, and I want to enlighten most of the fans as to what this deal actually is. Because there's a lot of what I would say misunderstanding when it comes to how this is going to break out. And I know fans are really interested because, oh, by the way, Chris Jones just signed a four-year $85 million deal as well. And I've seen a lot of people going, how in the hell are the Chiefs able to pay all of these deals? And that's a great question because there is a lot here. So Jake, as somebody who knows a lot more about the cap, and we talk about this all the time, what is the Mahomes deal actually? Because there's a lot of misinformation, as I said. It is not, and I will say again, not the richest sports franchise money contract in the history of sports. Mike Trout's going to get every penny of his $426.5 million. This Patrick Mahomes deal will change eight times in the next 12 years. It's phenomenal from the Chiefs' point of view. Get it. I'll get into the numbers in a second, but it elongates their window for two or three years. And that's why the Chris Jones signing is so important because his numbers are actually going to count on the cap for the next couple. The Chiefs locked up Patrick Mahomes for 12 years. They have the rights to him. After four years, they can cut him any year they want and not pay these great, these gigantic freaking roster bonuses. It's a really interesting contract. It's called an extension. We're going to talk about this with Miles Garrett in a little while too. Some of these new wordings of these contracts are extensions of rookie deals, which takes the cap hit out a couple more years. But I don't know what the long-term ramifications are of these. I don't think the Chiefs care because they got a window. They know they can win a couple more Super Bowls if they stay healthy. And then they, they know that they have the rights to, to the soup, the best quarterback in football, maybe one of the greatest we've ever seen after 12 years, right? But it's not a half a million dollars guaranteed, to have a billion dollars guaranteed. It's 60 billion or 60 million guaranteed now. It goes to 141 million in, in two or three years or 20, yeah, 22, I think. So it's basically a four or five year deal with 141 million guaranteed with an injury thing if he gets hurt now. So it's an extension of his rookie deal. It is not a brand new deal. He did not get a check for half a billion dollars. He hasn't gotten a check at all yet because that was a void as rookie deal. That's why the wording in this is so important. Now there's some crazy roster bonuses. I believe one of them is $49 million in 2027 to keep him on the roster. That's not even a salary. Now people see that and they don't realize that is a cap hit. You can move that around a little bit, but you can't move the whole thing. All this is saying is the Chiefs are either going to pay dead money for 15 years when he's done playing for them, or this deal is going to change eight or nine times in the next 12 years, which it's going to. They can't help it. The reason they got Chris Jones done is because Patrick Mahomes said, I want to win another Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get my money. I'm cool. 
I'm, I'm not getting cut in three years. I'm getting $50 million roster bonuses, all this stuff. But that allows him to keep Chris Jones. It is a great deal for the Chiefs. It's ridiculous. I can't believe Patrick Mahomes signed it, to be honest with you. Other than Lee Steinberg, his agent, just got the greatest press for the last week in the history of the world is the greatest, richest sports contract in the history of sports. And it's not. It's just not. You break it down, it's just not. Baseball gets every penny. It's all guaranteed. The players got all the power. The owners don't have any power. That's not the case here. This also could kill the chief salary cap in the future because revenues go down, which they're going to this year. The salary cap goes down. You have to restructure it in year one. And that's the first year next year that they give one of these big roster bonuses because they can't give it now because it would void this rookie deal. So it is, uh, it's great for the chiefs. It's great for Patrick Mahomes to, to allow his teammates to stay there and elongate this window that they have. Because when you start paying quarterbacks, that window shrinks drastically, even when they're that good. Yeah, and I think it speaks a lot to what we've talked about in the past, why the Patriots were allowed to do certain things because Tom was working through, hey, I want to win. I'm going to move money around. I'm going to figure things out to make sure that they could continue to have. Tom Brady never made more than $23 million a year. I know. There weren't crazy roster, but he just took less, period. He took less. Roethlisberger will sign these giant deals. He'll get his guaranteed money and a roster bonus. He'll restructure it every two years because it allows them to sign another player. Guys have done it, but not to this extent. And the yeah. greatest thing for the Chiefs is they have the rights to him for 12 years. He can't opt out. There's a no trade clause in there, but he can't opt out. They got it. They want to pay that giant roster bonus every year. They have Patrick Mahomes for 12 years. Which is a pretty good thing to ensure when you're talking about the best quarterback and the best player in the league and potentially what could be the best quarterback of all time if there's certain things happen and and obviously I think when you're you're watching even how they're interacting on Twitter right I'm watching this chemistry build on this roster and on this team with such a young guy right Jamie he's I mean Mahomes is 23 years old he's a young kid he's he's cheering on his teammates and what I found very interesting was a lot of times there's sometimes animosity between how much certain players get paid, especially when you have the publicity around what has happened for the last week for Mahomes, right? There's all this money and all this attention, but man, that locker room adores him. And they have 20 of the 22 guys coming back from that Super Bowl roster last year. It's, it's impressive and they've got a window here. So what do you like, or what are you excited about with this Mahomes deal? Well, so the way I look at it, and there's a lot of different ways this deal can break down depending on, you know, when the Chiefs, if they want to get out of it at a certain point, if they want to restructure at a certain point. At worst, barring, you know, any weird off-the-field things, that, but we don't even discuss that. At worst, this is a five-year, $247 million. Like that is at, that, that is at worst the way it works out. If they, want, if they want to at that point, they want to get out of it before the 2027 season, basically that's what they would have paid. Um, at that point, because they're going to have to pay some of that roster bonus. It, it, gets, it gets weird. But to Jake's point, there's a reason why this contract is very backloaded. There's a reason why it's structured the way it's structured. Because the, I, I will say on supreme confidence, Patrick Mahomes, is not, Patrick Mahomes is not playing on this exact contract for the length of this exact contract. It's not happening. Zero this is a contract chance. meant to force – it's basically meant to pay him as the top player in the league for the next five-plus years – and then at that point, figure it out. How are we going to maneuver this around? Do we tear up part of those years? Do we sign them to a seven-year extension 
and essentially and tear out, tear back the, or, or tear off the, like the last five years and move it. There, there's some weird things. That, it's going to be a major cap hit. It's not, there's no way they can get out of a huge cap hit for too much longer. Cause even if they try to get out of those deals, they're going to be, you know, ask the saints what's going to happen when breeze retires. I mean, there, there are some cap, it, you know, you have to pay the piper at some point for all your maneuvering on these contracts, the Patriots and Brady as well. Um, but to me, I think the exciting point is that he is locked up through the prime of his career with then an opportunity for the chief to turn around and figure out how they get him to a maybe longer deal. This could end up being longer than 10 years at some point, but on a different deal and on a different structure. But to, to, to everybody's point, there's no player in the league that deserves it more. Not only does he have this, the, the statistics to prove it and the leadership to prove it, he's got a ring to prove it. And he's got all of the pieces of the equation you want for a player that you want to be the face of your franchise, the face of the NFL, and the highest paid player in the league. And you, this is a great move for them to lock him up. You have to figure everything else out. When you have a player of Patrick Mahomes' caliber, it forces you to figure everything else out. You don't have a choice. Uh, and now they were able to get Chris Jones under the contract. And by the way, that might mean that they are going draft. They're going to be tr- turning over the middle of their roster for mid-round draft picks in a couple years because they salary-wise, they need that to make it work. But you have to figure that out. This is a once-in-a-generation player that doesn't come around very often. You already won one Super Bowl. Uh, I would venture to say it's not a limb to say I expect him to win at least one more Super Bowl in his career, if not multiple Super Bowls. This is what you have to do. And you have to lock him up and you have to do whatever you can to figure out how you put maneuver the roster around him. He's locked up. And, and you look at this kind of like three-year window. He's locked up. Kelsey's locked up. Hill's locked up. Chris Jones is locked up. A lot of those key pieces to what you've had in place, your head coach is locked up. I mean, you have all of these key pieces in place for them to go on a run here. And if you look, as I've always said across all sports, and, and I said this for, and you'll know this very well, Paige, the Chicago Blackhawks, you win three cups, it's worth all the cap BS you have to deal with the five or six or seven years after. You win Hell the real Lombardi yes. trophies, I don't give a shit if you're in <laughs> hell for the next Neither five, do six, Chiefs seven fans. years. It's been 50 years, dude. They, they exactly give them two more, right. and then be like, we'll take a cap hit for 100 years. You Jamie, play because well, one thing I win did say, yes, the game. <laughs> Whatever you have to do to win those trophies. It's not to be the best value team. It's not to be the team in the best cap situation. It's to win the Lombardi trophy. And right now they're in a position to win multiple trophies, which right now there's no other team in the league that I look at and say they're in a position to win multiple trophies in the next five years. Well said. Because the one thing I didn't say, Jamie, was how much I love Patrick Mahomes and how much he deserves this deal. And it's actually very Chiefs friendly. Because it's a 12-year deal. This 10-year deal doesn't kick in for two years. Yeah. Right, they're basically picking up his fifth-year option, paying him a giant roster bonus on top of that. Uh, but the Chris Jones thing here is huge, guys. You're talking about an elite defensive tackle. That that defense played better down the stretch in a first-year defense coordinator to get to that Super Bowl. They can't do that without Chris Jones. I, to me, him extending this and the the ten-year deal not kicking in for two years is the, is the reason they got Chris Jones done. It was huge, absolutely huge. I will say this too, because when this news broke. J.J. Watt tweets at Deshaun Watson with big giant eyes. And so Deshaun Watson's not getting this money. Lamar Jackson's not getting this money. They are not Patrick Mahomes. They are not getting close to this money. Will they get close to $140 million guaranteed like this next four years is? Yes, that will be their deal. But you will not be hearing half a billion dollars next to Lamar Jackson or Deshaun Watson's name. No. So stop, period. And Deshaun Watson will probably be playing somewhere else. Then you still won't be hearing that. 
I, I totally agree. I, the first question I can remember happening in the TDN Slack was, well, what does this mean for Deshaun Watson? And I said, absolutely nothing. The, the, with it, with respect to apples and oranges, yeah. With respect to Deshaun Watson and Lamar Jackson, how great they are. Patrick Mahomes is in an in, in his own category. He is by himself. He has cemented himself. He is by far and away just in an other echelon. And it, it, you have to go win, right? He just won a Super Bowl. That's you go win a Super Bowl, and you can start having those conversations. It's nice to have MVPs. It's nice to have regular season victories. It's nice to do all this stuff. Doesn't mean anything unless, at the end of the day, you got a Super Bowl, and that's that's what matters. And those those two players, as great as Lamar was last year, as great as the MVP was, huge disappointment in the postseason. Deshaun hasn't been able to to take his team to the next level, and that's not a reflection maybe of just them, right? But it's a more of a a statement of how great Patrick Mahomes truly is. He really they're is. Not, they're just not they're as just good not as Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes. No. They're great players. I would, there are most of, the, most of the teams in the league would be thrilled to have Deshaun Watson or Lamar Jackson as starting quarterback, just not the Chiefs. I mean, that, 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 yeah. there's nothing wrong with saying there are great players in the league that aren't as good as the best player in the league. I mean, the other guy here is Dak. Dak's going to be one of the richest players ever. He could have been the richest player before this. He's not going to touch these numbers. And to your point, Paige, of Lamar Jackson, before everybody blows me up on Twitter about he's going to get the same amount of money. No, he's not. The Ravens won a Super Bowl with Joe Flacco and Trent Dilfer. They are the definition of money ball, smart franchise. They are not paying their quarterback who runs. Lamar Jackson had more carries than Alvin Kamara last year. They're not giving him a 10-year contract with that kind of risk. They're also a brilliant franchise who I'll say again, won a Super Bowl with Trent Dilfer and Joe Flacco. (laughs) It's he cannot he cannot be not paid just no. not not like he's this. gonna get paid he deserves to get paid he's a freaking yeah. MVP yeah. He's but a no star. one's gonna pay like this and but. with and with respect to Dak Prescott you went one and six against playoff teams last year like I I don't want to hear I don't want to hear about any other Dak quarterback. Prescott might lose his job to Andy Dalton and not get any more money than he just signed the franchise tag for or if he I do it today. yeah I do not want to hear about any other quarterback in the same sentence conversation in comparison to this deal. It's not comparable. It's not. Don't bring it up. It, it, you cannot go, it, as Jamie said, apples and oranges. You're talking about two completely different scenarios. And it's You're talking about two completely how, different players. Yeah. yeah. One's That's the best it. player in football and the best quarterback we've seen in a while. And the other's not in the top eight. It's, Thank you Deshaun very much. Deshaun Watson's not in the top eight. Yeah. yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, we'll we'll have that conversation. We'll see. I I truly believe Deshaun Watson isn't even going to be a Texan when it all comes down to it. I think he's he might be moving on, especially after they shipped his his best friend favorite uh, favorite player off this offseason. So let's move let's on because they're a, a head coach next year. He really likes. Yeah, there might be. We're hear but... about that this offseason if if, oh, yeah, if the are. Texans fall on their face, like I think they're going to, because that defense is still abysmal. Um, uh, it, but. If they fall in the face, I don't see Bill O'Brien surviving it again. And at that point, nope. you're basically hiring a coach to keep your quarterback. Or you're basically saying, we're probably not keeping the quarterback. That's what I would do. But I, I don't know if the Texans organization is smart enough to make the move. I've, I, we'll see. I, I would figure out a way to make my quarterback happy. But if not, well, I'm, I'm quite sure somebody else will be waiting in the wings. Uh, another deal that is reportedly – signing today right the deal came out 
Uh, it's Wednesday, Tuesday night, Schefter reporting that Miles Garrett is going to sign a five-year, $125 million deal. It ends up being right. It's, it, it, he has two more years left of his deal, and then it's after this deal, right? That's important to note. So it's seven years now that they have him locked up, and he becomes the richest defensive player in the history of the game. This He surpasses Khalil Mack for his deal. When you look at this overall, obviously the last kind of big headline we had with Miles Garrett wasn't a pretty one, right? But that was, it was out of character for who we have known Miles Garrett to be in the past. Um, and so I think this is a reflection of you have new GM, new head coach. This is the type of player by all accounts, it's just like a Khalil Mack that you want to have on your franchise. You want to be a key piece. And that that one moment was more so out of character than who he is, Jake. So we know the player um, first overall pick. What's the, is there room for him to grow? Is there room for him to get better? And, and do you like this deal for the Browns? Uh, first, I love the deal for the Browns because it's, again, it's worded. It, it, it elongates their window. They got a bunch of high, high dollar guys they were allowed to keep because they feel like they've got a window for a couple of years because the real big money doesn't kick in for three or four years. Uh, hell yes, he's got room to grow. Take the, 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 you know, the play out of his life, right? He still is leading the NFL in, 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 in penalties. He, he's still a reckless player that needs to harness it in. He needs to stay healthy, but he's an absolute freak. He was the first overall pick in the draft for a reason. He's probably the most talented pass rusher we have in the NFL but he has to put it together for 16 games. Now that you're the highest paid defensive player, you have to eliminate the penalties. You have to, to not play so reckless and you can't have any more craziness. Right. Uh, but you take that out, which was out of character, but it happened and they still gave him the money, uh, which so I, I love the fact that they went ahead and locked him up. I think it's a great deal for the Browns that they, for now, like I said, there's going to be some ramifications here with this new extension. They're using the word extension, which means they can't give him any money now. This doesn't kick in for a couple of years um, or it, like I said, or, or it eliminates that rookie deal, but I, I like it and he deserves it. I mean, it's, but again, it's going towards all these agents and these teams are looking at, and I know the teams aren't cause they're scared to death. The, cal the salary cap continuing to go up. Like it's gone up for 10 years. It's not going up next year. It's not going to happen. There's not going to be fans. That's like to the tune of what we're hearing $5 billion in revenue. And the entire CBA is based off of revenue with the players. So his cap's not going to go up. So I, I don't know. I mean, some of these deals that are getting done are a little bit shocking, but I think that's one of the reasons you also heard you're seeing the word extension. They're putting it off for a couple of years. They're like, all right, well, we'll push it down the road and figure it out then. Yeah, it's a, it's a smart way to handle it, especially in light of the fact that, you know, there's a, there's projected loss right now, but we don't know what the end of, we don't know what next summer we'll be looking at for loss for, for the NFL and, and what that's going to look like. And they've, you know, put out some ideas of what they think will be able to recoup some of that with sponsorship deals and other opportunities and TV. And, and those are all projections, right? Those are all things that they're looking at and hoping for. We're not going to know how this impacts the salary cap until we're in the weeds, until we're halfway through the season, they've got some financial numbers and they're able to see what this looks like. We know like. the cap's not going up if there's no fans in the stands because we were here $5 billion yes. is the loss. Now, are they going to make more money this year? Yes. What does the actual loss end up being? Who knows? It's not going to go up. I will say this about Miles Garrett too. He's the best player on their team. Yes. He's the best player the Browns have had in a long time, but he'll never be the face of the franchise. I think it was smart to go ahead and lock it up. I think it was smart to, to announce it a week after Patrick Mahomes and it slides under the radar at $125 million and the richest defensive player ever 
sounds minuscule to half a billion. Yeah. Uh, but he'll never be the face of the franchise. They don't have to pay Baker yet. Baker's only in year three, and he's got to prove that he got, he's got to get paid. And that is the face of the franchise if they ever win. So I, I like it. They push this out. It makes a lot of sense. What do you think, Jamie? Yeah, it makes perfect sense to me. And one, the thing that is still in the back of my mind is that you can get very easily via trade. I, I doubt you would cut because you can get value back. But via trade, get out of Odell Beckham Jr.'s contract after the season with no dead cap. And you basically, and if you, and you give them the $1 million uh, roster bonus, I mean, that's not prohibitive of you making a deal, handing them a million dollar check and then moving them to trade, which frees up almost $16 million in cap space. Uh, it would free up about 16 million, 15 million, and 15 million the previous next three years. So if you look at, if you really are hard up against the cap where you need to move on from somebody because it comes in $30 million lower than what you're expecting, that that's a player you can move uh, and, and make this deal work. To me, it's, it's the point that Jake said. It's putting it together for 16 games. Right now, in his career, he's averaging 13.2 sacks per 16 games. That, that's a remarkable number for the first three years of somebody's career. So if he can put it together for a full 16 games and be that dominant, that dominant game record that he has been, this deal will be absolutely worth it for him. I don't have any inside information, but I would imagine that there is some language in the contract that protects them should he get suspended again because to the point 100%. that you brought up Jake on a few episodes ago, now you're kind of in this suspension protocol. You've now been suspended for – I don't know what, what they specifically – what terminology they used for this particular uh, suspension, but now that it's already happened, you're now prone to hitting longer suspensions going forward. You're now a repeat offender in the eyes of the NFL discipline. So I imagine there is some language in the contract about recouping some amount of that money during those suspensions. But to me, when he's on the field, he's been a dominant player and is exactly what you want when you take a player like that that high. I mean, he has been everything that the Browns have wanted from him from the beginning. And now they're starting to turn, finally turn things around now that they've had an offseason without all the hype and a lot more steak than sizzle, the stuff we talked about all offseason for them. This is their journey now. a lot of sizzle going on that steak here in the last 24 hours. It was good there for a while, but I'm starting to get a little nervous. Yeah. Um, Odell Beckham Jr. was on an episode uh, with Victor Cruz talking about himself, and uh, I I watched. I watched the whole hour. It was was less Odell because Cam was on it. Right. So Cam outshined it and it almost it helped Odell because Odell did say some things that I thought would probably catch the eye of quite a few people. But Cam was so boisterous and so much more sitting there smoking a cigar, just like to- in a Cam outfit. Like Odell looked like an average guy in comparison to Cam. Right. Like it was just like it was it was the Cam show. So it it, it put Odell kind of behind the scenes, but we'll see. It's we got to get in once training camp starts. Once once people are putting microphones in front of their faces again, we'll see if they have humbled it's the themselves. First this glimmer that we've seen of what we we're hoping not to see. Yes, that's exactly right. Uh, hopefully, when they're in a locker room, we see Baker uh, do what we want him to do, which is be the leader, step up, be the guy that he needs to be, and keep that locker room under wraps. And and we will see. Uh, I think Miles Garrett can play a big part in that as well, obviously, as a huge face for this organization moving forward. Two more, three more pieces of news we want to get into. Jake, this one I'm going to toss to you first because you wanted to talk about it. Uh, Jason Peters, uh, one-year deal for the Philadelphia Eagles, another team that, man, oh, man, you're looking at their cap situation over the next couple of years and you're going, "I, I don't know where they're going to be able to do things. So this is, listen, you got Carson Wentz. You have a window of time. This is a team that 
is going to look significantly different with a lot of people healthy coming into the season. Uh, I assume you like this deal, Jake. I absolutely love it. I mean, they lost Vitae to the Lions in, in the offseason, and they just had the best guard in football get hurt towards Achilles out for the year. So Peters is not coming in to play tackle, play left tackle, which he's played. He's going to come in and play guard. It's $3 million, It could be up to $6 million, but I absolutely love it for a year. Uh, they've got a solid offensive line. Lane Johnson's the highest paid right tackle, might be the highest paid tackle. Uh, well-deserved. They're solid if they stay healthy, but this adds another piece to me that allows Carson Wentz to maybe stay a little healthier. I, I, I thought it was news that had to be talked about. No, it's not $500 million. It's not the richest pay, player in defensive history, but it's a damn good piece to do for a team that's got a chance to win the NFC East. Yeah, and, and I think it, the other thing it underscores as well is it underscores some of the cap issues that Paige was alluding to. And actually, Ben Solak wrote a piece of the three teams that will be most affected by a declining cap next year, and, and the Eagles were one of them. And I think it's a big reason why they've been very cautious with how they spent their money late in the offseason. I think a lot of people have been waiting for them to sign a veteran running back. A lot of people have attached their name to Jadavion Clowney, and neither one of those things are going to happen because they can't afford to have it happen. And any amount that they can roll over from this year to next year will be beneficial to them because they're going to be, uh, they're going to be in pretty much cap hell. Them, um, the Cowboys are going to have some issues. Uh, Falcons as well. I mean, there, there, there are a handful of teams that are going to be in real, I mean, it's going to affect everybody, but those three teams in particular are going to be in really, really rough shape. Uh, and the Eagles and the Cowboys are probably at the top of that list. Uh, the other thing we want to talk about here, guys, two, two uh, players asking for trades, right? We've gotten used to this. We've gotten uh, desensitized to players coming out and asking for being, tra- being traded because it happens, quite frankly, so often now in the NFL, across all of sports, but uh, in the NFL especially. So we've got two guys that are they're asking out. Jamie, I'll let you start here. Raheem Mostert, uh, do you think there is a possibility for a trade here? Uh, I... I don't just because I don't see another great fit. Uh, I, I mean, you never really want a player of his skill set. You never want to see leave a Kyle Shanahan system. Um, they're also not that, that far apart in money. I mean, we're not talking about a $5 million difference here. We're talking like a one, one and a half million dollar difference. I know he wants to be paid like Tevin Coleman's contract, which is like mid twos. I don't know. Like who's trading at this point, who is trading for a running back? Now, if somebody gets hurt, that always changes the game a little bit. But I also think that, depending on the caliber of player that gets hurt, why would you not go after Philip Lindsay? Why would you not go after Marlon Mack? Why would you not go after maybe even Leonard Fournette? Like to me, I think I have to go down a few names before I get to Raheem Mostert. Um, because I mean, Philip Lindsay's contract isn't, I mean, he's still on his UDFA rookie deal. I mean, so his contract's yeah. not prohibitive at all. Uh, you know, Fournette's is a little bit higher than this, but I just, to me, I, I don't see a perfect fit for him. I think the perfect fit is the role he has in, in the Kyle Shanahan offense and on special teams, the way he's been playing there. So I, I, I think this is one of those ones where maybe they can kind of talk it over, uh, figure out what they want to do and get him through the year. Uh, if they can't, then it becomes interesting because I don't think Tevin Coleman is going to get every single touch. And then, you know, who's going to be that other option? Is Jarek McKinnon finally healthy enough to catch passes? Because they don't have a, a true pass catcher in that backfield now. Is, you know, uh, you know Jermichael Hasty uh, going to have a different role? Because he can play special teams. I mean, so then it becomes a little bit interesting from a fantasy perspective. But to me, Mostert's best situation is in San Francisco. And I don't see a very clear fit elsewhere unless somebody gets hurt. I'm not desensitizing this. This is freaking asinine. This is, this is just stupid. You had four good games. And, yes, they were better last year when you were the starting running back. But it was a crowded backfield. They traded away your biggest competition. 
the other super speed back that catches some screens and takes it to the house. And yes, you had a great playoff game. You're this close on money and you're now the guy is at least just two of you, not eight of you. Like it was at times last year. And you're going to ask for a flip and trade from a, from a team that has a chance to go to the Super Bowl. This is so, this, this is where the players drive me flipping nuts. This is, I'm not, as you could tell, not desensitized to the stupidity of this. And no, they're not trading him. They're going to tell him to kiss their ass. He's under contract. They're not going to do anything. He's their guy. They're counting on him. They built this in. They're already having injuries on this team in the offseason. They're not getting rid of another piece that could take it to the house that's a game breaker. Don't think for a second that they're going to. You come out and say whatever the hell you want in the freaking Daily News or the San Francisco Chronicle or whatever the hell the damn newspaper is there. They're not doing it. So stop. Sign your damn contract or play out this year and then sign a bigger one. And look, you just renegotiated your deal like a year ago, dude. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, you know what thing. I mean? It's not like you're you in year four of a deal. seven times. I know. Whatever it is. Like, you were a nobody I, I, that could run a great 40. You developed into a really nice special teams player. You've now developed into a really nice player that we all like. That I rode yes. you out in the, in the fantasy playoffs last year. Like, you were solid, dude. You deserve, yeah. some, you deserve some cheddar. And we're all about guys getting their money. This is not that situation. This is stupidity. You are cutting your nose off to spite your face. Enjoy being in Kyle Shanahan's offense. In, reap the benefits of the offense that is great for you. Stay there. You will earn money. I, there's a lot, right? Like I, I said desensitized because it's it, like for me, it's, it's, I look around, I'm like, okay, another guy that wants to be traded out. But how many of these guys actually get traded? I mean, some of the ones that we saw, I, I mean, in Gokwe. Jackson just flat out said today they're not trading in Nakwe. Like they're I just, mean, that's as Fortnite many. Fortnite didn't get traded. Like, Remember all these guys that were, oh, no, they're, they're going to force their way out. And, so, and we all said, just kind of wait. <laughs> By the way, here's the other thing. I don't know who represents Mostert, but I'm not impressed. Is anything <laughs> about John Lynch as a GM told you that you can force his hand here? Yeah, good luck. That he's not going to do what's in the best interest of the 49ers and them winning games? What I, part of him being a GM has ever told you that he's going to go, oh, yeah, okay, cool. We're a million apart. We'll trade you. No. I would, I would hmm. love to be – in a fly on the wall for insert whatever agent was is representing Raheem Mostert coming in to talk to John Lynch about this deal. Would love to hear how that would all go down because I guarantee. It publicly. Yeah, like I understand saying and maybe hey, it's the player. Is- maybe I'm throwing the agent yeah. under the bus. So yeah. I'm, not, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that because it could be easily the player. Like Melvin Gordon last year was like, no, I'm not taking <laughs> advice. Like this is no, this is what it's gonna be. It could be that. I'm just saying, like either way, it's it's stupid. I'm, I'm with you. I think it's, I think it's interesting. The other, the other guy that's asking for a trade is, is not as surprising because of the, the tight end room there that exists. This is a guy who has been linked to, okay, where are possible landing spots for quite some time. And that's David Njoku. Uh, Jamie, is there, what's the, what's the percentage you put on him getting traded? And, and if so, are there a couple of landing spots maybe that you really like that he could fit into? It, it, to me, I think it has to be a team that sees beyond one year. I don't see a one-year fit for Njoku. So maybe does, does a team like Washington go, you know, right now we don't really have anybody. Jeremy Sprinkle's our top option. We've seen how Greg Olson used to be used in Ron Rivera's offense. Uh, you know, do we want to bring in and take a chance on an athletic freak like David Njoku to be another, just another option for Dwayne Haskins? I think that could be interesting for me. Otherwise, I don't know. Like, I don't. 
I don't hate the situation he's in for one year. Like, if we're just looking at 2020 in a box, nobody runs more two tight end sets the sets than Kevin Stefanski. And he's going to be on the field a lot. And Baker Mayfield has a stupid high percentage of his career touchdowns that go to tight ends. Like, it, it, is, a, it is a weirdly high. Look it up. It, it's, it's, I don't remember. I don't have the exact number in front of me, but it's a weirdly high number of his touchdowns have gone to tight ends uh, in, in his young career. So I don't hate the current situation he's in. I, I wasn't shocked this was going to happen. Once they signed Hooper, I thought it was going to be right away. And he kind of came out and said, he, nope, he, he was welcoming in the competition. And then two months later, asked for the trade. But um, to me, I, I mean, Washington comes to mind. I mean, there are a few other teams that need him, but like, you know, Cincinnati maybe. But like, I don't, I don't know what those teams would give up for him at that point because neither one of those teams are competing this year. So at that point, you have to look at him as a multi-year option. What does Njoku want in his next deal? Is he going to want to sign an extension in, in, on those two, let's just say, bad teams, but maybe with young QBs? Uh, there's a lot that goes into that, but I don't see a, a perfect one-year fit. If he's looking just to play out this season and, and get to a free agency, I don't really see a fit right now. And, and would you call about Njoku before you call about O.J. Howard? If even O.J. Howard's even still on the block. You know what I mean? So I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I don't, this one's, this one's tough for me because I just don't, he hasn't done enough with the athletic gifts that he has so far for anybody to be beaten down their door to say, we need to get David and Joker on our team. And how, how can we hand you our mid round pick for him? The OJ Howard comparison. OJ is a physical freak that was phenomenal in college and had a great college run has showed flashes in the NFL. Hasn't stayed healthy. Needs to develop more. And Joku's a seven-foot high jumper in high school. He's a athletic freak. So similar size guys. He's a physical freak, too, who has not done anything to develop. I was so excited about him going in last year, and then he couldn't stay healthy. Now, I know the situation here, because Drew Rosenhaus takes a lot of crap for being, you know, with T.O. in the driveway. and all. But Drew's a damn good agent that's well-respected by GMs, who's very rational with his clients. So for him to come out and say that they want to trade, he has a, he must feel he's got a little leverage. I mean, I, I trust Drew in this situation uh, as, as one of the best in the business. I like the Washington thing. I, I, do people want Njoku? Yes. Do people want OJ Howard and the potential? Yes. What are they willing to give up for it? Because the teams don't have to move on. The Browns are fine. The Browns cap is great. If Hooper gets hurt, because him and Hooper are very different guys, very mm-hmm. different guys. Um, it's just like the, the, the Bucks. the Bucks didn't have to move on. They now got three. If Cameron Brake gets hurt, O.J. Howard, if Gronk can't play, they're fine because it's on his rookie deal. He's pretty cheap. It's not that big a deal. You'd have to blow their socks off for them to move these guys. Uh, But I I like the situation staying. I agree with you, Jamie. But it wouldn't surprise me at all if somebody picks him up because it it just the athleticism alone for somebody to say, okay, I've seen enough. Because he didn't play a lot at Miami. He played like, what, one and and a half years, even though he came out early. He was like, he's only like 23 now. He's been in the league four years, whatever it is. so yeah, I, but I like the situation with Drew. I like his representation. I don't. I don't mind him asking. I don't mind this situation of asking for the trade. I agree with you. Say I welcome the the competition, and then come out and say it two months later. But uh, I like at least I, I know the guy that he's talking to, and I respect the guy he's talking to, and, and Drew Rosenhaus to get this done. I like what you tossed out there, Jamie. I think saying Washington would be really interesting, right? I think that's that's where you look at the potential and the need, right? Okay, this is something maybe if you're not going to have to give up much, right, for, for Cleveland, are they willing to part if it's not a huge deal? I, you know, those are, the, those are the things where I think the O.J. Howard and, and Njoku where you're going, listen, we're – 
we don't have to move you, right? It goes back to the desensitize of the trading. Like teams aren't going to make bad deals. They don't have, they don't have to move on from these guys. So the guys can want all they want. They can go to the media. They can say they want to leave all that stuff. Doesn't matter. Unless the team feels good about making a move and they find a good deal. That's not going to happen. I'll say this too. I'll watch out for the Houston Texans. It's another landing spot mm-hmm. for me that I could see. They've traded with the Browns a few times. Uh, I, Deshaun Watson would love to have yeah. a guy like that that he could grow with, get some chemistry, if he can take that next step and not just be an athletic freak, but become a really good, well-rounded tight end. That's another one that pops up. The Cowboys can't afford him, but that would be another one that would be really interesting to throw an athletic dude like that with what they got going on offense. There's teams that are going to want him. But to Jamie's point, Kevin Stefanski with Irv Smith Jr. and Rudolph last year, not enough for both of them to eat, but enough for, to be really good. The Browns don't have to move him. Their salary cap is fine. They don't necessarily need draft capital. So yeah. you'd have to blow their socks off to get him. Yeah, Bill O'Brien I don't trust, but I think that that sounds great if maybe there was, you know, an actual GM that was running that organization that knew what they were doing. But that's you got a head coach doing both things, and I, I, really, don't, I really don't know what's going to happen there in the near future. I think that's going to be the most int- – one of the more interesting storylines to pay attention to is, is that going to blow up? sooner rather than later in Houston with Deshaun Watson and, and all the animosity around this off season. Cause we haven't, haven't seen them together yet. Right. Because I have everything with COVID. So training camp, tick, tick, it's July 15th. We're, we're not that far away from some of these storylines actually coming, coming out and playing out in real life. Okay, guys, we are also going to talk about wide receivers today. So if you didn't listen to our 20 to 40 ranking Uh, You can go back and listen to that podcast. We're going to get into 11 through 20 today. And we'll start, we'll start at 20. Uh, This is a guy last season, we were a little lower on um, than, than everybody else. And we were right. That was Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, Jamie, I'm really interested to see with him at 20. This is Jamie's rankings, right? It, do you think that, or, or does the community feel like, where is he getting drafted right now? Because I think the name value for him is, is always something that drives him up, especially amongst casual fans. So I'm interested to see what his ADP is, even coming off, obviously, a very disappointing season. Yeah, it's higher than where I have him. And if you, if you remember, if you've been a listener of the show throughout the offseason, we did a full, uh, like, a 20-minute segment on Odo Beckham Jr. stat projections, and I, I kind of walked through, you know, what I felt about him. He's going as a wide receiver 12 right now. Uh, in PPR formats. Here's my concern with, with Odo Beckham. And it's my concern right now with all of the pass catchers uh, on Cleveland is that I think they're going to have a severe lack of volume compared to where they've been the last few years. Like I don't have Baker Mayfield projected to throw 500 passes this year. Uh, I'm looking at what Kevin Stefanski did with Kirk Cousins and the dramatic shift that they made in that offense uh, in Minnesota, and I look at the personnel that they have in Cleveland, and what the best way for them to win is to ride Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, and then pass and then pass when they need to. And I think that's going to result in just a little bit maybe depressed numbers across the board for the receiving stats, even if they're a better team overall. Uh, I mean, I mean, Odell Beckham's target share last year was almost twenty five percent, and I still think he's going to have a similar target share for Baker Mayfield. I just think it's going to be on less passes. Uh, so I think he's going to be more around the 110 target mark this year than where, you know, if you're drafting him in the top 12, you think he's going to be 120, 130. I think he's going to be more around 110 because I don't think they're going to throw as much this year and all the numbers are going to come down otherwise. But I don't think he's going to have a bad season by any means. I just think 
the volume's not going to be there and all of the other numbers are going to kind of fall into place because of that. I got him a little bit higher, but I wanted to put him higher and I just couldn't like your numbers make a lot of sense. I think he's probably closer to 80 catches. And I think he probably gets over a thousand yards. When we did the over-unders, I took that, the, you know, the over, I got him at like a thousand fifty. I like the seven touchdowns. So I got him closer to 15, 16, but we're not talking about, we're talking about fine hairs here. I, he's too much of a name value to drop for me, but this is a year that I would be interested in getting him in drafts. If he somehow did, uh, I think not as a wide receiver one or two, if he somehow slid outside that, which I don't think there's any way you're going to get him, you know, outside the top 24 guys and this, you're just leagues got no Browns fans and they're kind of nuts. Um, <laughs> but I, it's a guy I'm, I'm intrigued. I think he's going to bounce back and have a ton of flash. There's going to be some monster games with some great end zone celebrations. And I'm an OBJ fan, but I want there to be four or five games of solid before we start getting any of that stuff. Like, like we've talked about at nauseum. Uh, I got him a little bit higher, but I, I couldn't really disagree with what, what Jamie said. I mean, Kevin Stefanski has proven what he wants to do. And that makes the most sense to win. Yeah, and I know we've already done the running back show, but if, if you check on the draftnetwork.com, I already have my bold predictions for I the love 2020 it, the fantasy way. season. And one of my first ones is that I think Nick Chubb leads the league in rushing and, and rushing attempts. And I think he not only is built for it, he should get it. He has the skill level to get it. And I think that's the, that's the formula I think the Browns are going to need to have to win games is to be a dominant run game team, particularly late in the season, given the weather conditions in the AFC North. Be that dominant ground team. Be able to check down to Kareem Hunt when needed. Be able to get find Austin Hooper in the red zone. And then pass when you need to. And I, I think at this point, that is the best way they can win football games. And I think that's the way Stefanski is going to lean because that's the way he has leaned in the past. And it's been successful for him for the most part. By the way, they can still be damn explosive like that. I mean, think about Minnesota's offense last year. Oh, yeah. that's, that's what you're hoping to see with probably, dare I be crazy enough to say better weapons and they fixed the yeah. offensive line with, with two solid tackles. I mean, if, if Baker Mayfield can play to the level of Kirk cousins, the last two years in Minnesota, the Browns are going to be damn good. And look, if you're in best ball leagues, I'd have Beckham higher because if they're going to go down the field, they're not going down the field to Jarvis Landry. They're not going down the field. I mean, they could go down a little bit to Hooper, but they're going down the field for an back. They're taking a shot down the field. Somebody else, yeah, but yeah, like that. That's where they're going. So uh, he's going to have some big weeks. And again, if if you, if you think the Browns are going to throw 550 times this year, ju- jump him up. But I just don't think that's going to happen. Look, I think the other just thing to point out here, Jamie, to that is they fixed their secondary. They had like eight safeties to this roster in the yeah. offseason. I mean, meat and potatoes of their offseason was their defense is going to be better. Their secondary is going to be better. Ball control, play action, and go look what Minnesota did really well. There's big play action shots down the field. That's to your point is, is OBJ. So I love him in that scenario yeah. too. Yeah. Those, those big plays are what we're used to seeing from Odell Beckham Jr. And getting excited. But to Jamie's point, you're, you would be asking Kevin Stefanski to change what we've seen from him in the past. If you think they're not going to run the football a lot. So it'd be very, very interesting to see what happens with, with Odell Beckham Jr. All right. Number 19 on Jamie's list is Tyler Lockett. Uh, Jake, where do you have Tyler Lockett? And do you agree with Jamie? I got him right there with Jamie has him uh, a player that I love a freakish weird injury last year. Not really a wide receiver one. He's best in the slot, but they move him all over the place. And the fact that he plays with Russell Wilson means I love him period. Like you, you want shares of this dude. The injury last year scares me a little bit, but great guy, great chemistry. He's Doug Baldwin with a whole lot more speed, but he has the same kind of chemistry that it seems like with Russell Wilson. And that's enough for me. 
Yeah, and the, and the fantasy community has finally got to the level where I've been on Tyler Lockett, which is a mid-ish level wide receiver two. Because for a while there, people were really trying to push Tyler Lockett into wide receiver one territory, and, no. and I've never been in that category. He's going right now wide receiver 22 in drafts, which I think is actually a slightly low, so you can kind of get him at a little bit of a value this year. He's the number one target for Russell Wilson. Uh, as I've already outlined on this show, and as much as they continue to get the, the hate mail and the hate tweets, uh, I don't see DK Metcalf being a 100-target guy again this year. Uh, and so where also those targets going to go? Uh, I think Lockett's still going to get the same amount that about 100, 110 targets that he's been getting, and he's going to make the most of it. He has a very high catch percentage on those targets. He scores a ton. I mean, he's a touchdown monster. Uh, just for a player of his of his size and skill level, you don't think of him as a as a big touchdown guy, but he's always ha- always has been. Um, he's a big play threat all the time, and you know the injury scares me a little bit, but he will play. He is tough. Like he will oh, yeah. play through so yeah, much. Very much so. That I, zero diva with Lockett. Absolutely. So I have a little bit more encouragement there that if, if he can physically get on the field and the team will let him, uh, that he will play and he will be productive. So I, I love him where he's going right now. I think finally the fantasy community has adjusted to where his proper ranking should be among wide receivers. Yeah, love having that combo, uh, Russell Wilson, watching that go down to Tyler Lockett when he makes some of those special plays. Next guy on the list, uh, Miami Dolphins' Devontae Parker, a guy that was really exciting. And I'm interested for both of you to see – how you envision potentially Tua Tungavailoa being different from Ryan Fitzpatrick and whether or not that impacts how you look at what Parker is coming into this fantasy season. Now, I think all three of us agree that Tua is not going to be starting the season, but that continues to be something that is asked and, and is, is talked about. So, Jamie, when you did this ranking, you obviously have him playing 15 of 16 games, but how much did you factor in the mix of what could be Tua and Ryan Fitzpatrick. I figured 12 games of Fitzpatrick, and in this case for him, it would be three games of Tua, but four games overall for Tua. I think he gets December, uh, but I'm not so certain he gets playing time before that. I didn't think he was going to get that anyway, and I think particularly with this abridged offseason and everything, that all the weirdness that is going on right now, uh, I'm less encouraged by it. I know there seems to be this groundswell, um, and I got – brought up again thanks to Colin Cowart's comments uh, this week about Tua that he's going to be the, the week one starter and they're just going to give him the ball and nobody cares about Fitzpatrick and whatever whatever he said uh, on the show. I'm paraphrasing on, on that front. But uh, I just I don't see any reason why they're just going to throw the rookie to the wolves here. I, I, and no one's been able to give me a compelling reason why he should play 16 games this year. We need to see that he's healthy. He needs to learn the offense. He needs to learn how to be an NFLer right now. And he's getting far less time than any rookie he's gotten in the last, what, 20 years to be, to be that with a team given because of the COVID situation. Fitzpatrick was perfectly capable last year, really good at times. Uh, he'll be perfectly capable for most of the season as well. You're not competing for a playoff spot. You're not competing for a Super Bowl this year. I don't see any reason why you need to force Tua in other than to say, late in the season, let's kind of get him some work so he goes into the offseason knowing kind of what game speed looks like and knowing what a week or a couple weeks to prepare as a starter looks like. That has some value. But I don't think we're getting 16 games from Tua. I don't think we're getting 12 games from Tua. I I think you're going to get four or five games from him this year, and I think that's perfectly fine. But uh, So to me, as long as Fitzpatrick's throwing Parker the ball, he's going to be a wide receiver too. 
then it becomes an unknown. I don't know who Tua is going to favor. I don't know what his skill set is. Is he going to fall in love with Albert Wilson in the slot? Is he going to like Preston Williams on the outside? Is he going to like Mike Jacecki? Is he going to like checking down to Matt Breda? I, I don't know what he's going to do yet. But I know, based on last year, what Ryan Fitzpatrick wants to do. And as long as he's the quarterback, you're going to get wide receiver two production out of Parker. Jamie, I couldn't agree more. I, I mean, if Tua was healthy and hadn't Bo Jackson's his hip, you know, last year, not that long ago, right? Then may okay, we're talking about yeah, they're not playoff contenders. But Ryan Fitzpatrick wasn't suitable last year. He was freaking fantastic at times. He was fantastic at times the year before that in Tampa for the first three or four games. He's going to be Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's going to have some blow up throw, you know, pick games. But Devontae Parker turned himself into a legit wide receiver one, not fantasy, a legit wide receiver one for a franchise. They paid him like it. That's exactly what we're talking about. OJ Howard and Njoku turning into a guy that couldn't quite figure it out. was a first round pick, freakish size and talent and figured it out and got there. He got there. He's a damn good player. I, I want to put him higher just because the way he finished, but I don't know. I don't know how good they're going to be. I, I like, I like where you have him, but it's another guy that I'm going to have my eyes on going, Man, he was really, really solid last year. He got a ton of confidence, and he turned into – and the reason why I think Tua will like him, he's a well-rounded, perfect size. His hands – he doesn't have the drops anymore. He fixed all that stuff. Tua's going to go to the veteran guy that runs good routes that he thinks are going to win 50-50 balls because I don't know how well Tua's going to read the field when he gets out there. Uh, so I, I like him either way, but I, I like yeah. right where you have him. And you tend to be able to get shares of some of these guys that are on teams that are not projected to be great. Right. These Danny are some hit the nail on the head like two weeks ago, Paige. Like the, the Dolphins and the Bengals and some of these, there's going to be some serious fantasy value on bad teams people are going to forget about. And people think he's, you know, we talk about all the time out of sight, out of mind, or what you do the first eight weeks and not who you are the, the rest of the season. People think Devontae Parker still sucks because he was a bust for a couple of years. He's not. No. Not by him. Like, I mean, I, I've been doing this like best ADP values by position for the draftnetwork.com. And on each one of my positional lists, quarterback, running back, and wide receiver, a dolphin made the list. Like, <laughs> I just, people are, are just, and this happens every year. I think it happens with the Lions too, for the most, outside of Galladay, it's happening with the Lions too, of people when they put, although the Lions are a better team than the Dolphins, I think, especially with Stafford. But point being, teams that are perceived to be bad teams, People just avoid them like uh, they just avoid them. And like, well, you can still get fantasy value. And particularly for pass catchers, if you're, they're a bad team, probably means they're going to be down in the second half a lot. I mean, there's going to be a plenty of opportunity for these guys to, to break out. And, but, you know, but they're not the sexy names. But I was, I was still surprised when I saw his ADP. Because right now his ADP is wide receiver 25. All and day that, long. Give me that. I was going to say, and that time he drops me. the wide receiver three, I am 100% in. Uh, and and that really surprised me, given given pretty much it's, it was pretty highly publicized his breakout last year. Him and DJ Chark were like the two pick him up off the waiver wires and help you win your league wide receivers last year. I was a little surprised to see that. And I think a lot of it's because there's either this perception that Fitzpatrick's not going to throw the ball around a lot, or that he's not going to throw or he's not going to start many games, and we don't know what to, we're going to get from Tua. But uh, I, I'm I love him at his ADP. They're not going to play Tua and not let him go play. They're not going to play two and hand it to Jordan Howard 40 times a game. And Ryan Fitzpatrick is the ultimate gunslinger. If he's playing, he don't give a shit if he throws four picks. He's <laughs> slinging it. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you guys. I think uh, I, the ADP, the value is there. That's why I kind of asked you about it. I'm, I'm always interested because I always want shares of some of these players that play on teams that people don't pay attention to. They, they always forget. And, Jamie, you hit – you. Talked about it exactly. When teams are down, 
second half, fourth quarter, junkyard points. Give me all those fourth quarter garbage points. They all count the same, and I will take all of them from Ryan Fitzpatrick because to Jake's point, he's going to keep slinging the ball. No matter if they're down 100 points, he will throw seven interceptions and not care. He will just keep slinging it. So I, I, that's, that what, that's what makes me even more confident in what Devontae Parker can do, especially. Hey, there's one other thing that kind of pops in my mind, like from real football when we're talking yeah. this, right? Because I, I love looking at these numbers, and then I'm like, okay, the last two guys we just talked about, there's a bunch of guys we're going to talk about in this list as I'm scanning up here. Who are the twos on their team? But when you're talking about Devontae Parker and Tyler Lockett, they're the number one guy. They are wide receiver one for their team, right? So when it, when it comes down to, like, who's making a play, you're going to those guys. Like, I like them, especially at that value, man. That's crazy. I'll set up the next guy. Calvin Ridley is ahead of both of those guys in the rankings, but he's the number two guy on that team. Now, they're going to throw it a ton. We'll talk about this, but – Man, give me the number one guy on a team a lot from a real football perspective. The number one guy is the number one guy for a reason. And he's going to be if he's healthy. Yeah, and I think that's where, obviously, this, when you're looking at 17-18, right? So you tease Calvin Ridley. Like, you look at where you can get Devontae Parker and the fact that he is the number one, and you go, mm, okay, like, those are the decisions you start to make as you're weighing where you're going to draft and what falls to you. So, Jamie, Calvin Ridley is the number two. We know how talented he is, and we know what this Atlanta offense does when healthy. There's a lot – another team that, although – they had a, another year of struggling when Matt Ryan is playing and he is in there. This offense has a lot of fantasy value. Uh, one lesson I've learned this offseason that is that Matt Ryan might be one of the most underrated players in the NFL, given the way he's talked about on social media um, and the, the disdain when, you know, look, when he came out and said that I think I'm the best quarterback in the division, like what else is he one? What else is he supposed to say? Yeah. Um, and two, <laughs> but there were, there were comments about how he's terrible. He's the worst quarterback. in the, I mean, they were, dozens of people that said he was the worst quarterback in the division. So that there's a comment we need to talk about there. Um, I love Teddy Bridgewater as a human being, but let's, let's, let's be realistic. Yeah, let's slow down. Um, But for Calvin Lee specifically, this is where he's going in drafts as well. This is his ADP is wide receiver 17. Uh, I I think with now a full season without Muhammad Sanu there, he's going to get a ton of looks. I have him over a hundred targets. He's got to stay healthy. Uh, It it hindered him a little bit last year, but I think he's going to flirt with a thousand yards this season. I think he can be up there and and close to double digit touchdowns. Ryan's going to throw it 600 times this year. And I think that's the biggest benefit for Julio and Calvin Ridley. And we're not going to talk about him on this list, but one of the reasons why I, I think Russell Gage is a value too. People forgot about him. I mean, he's going like wide receiver 90 right now, um, which is crazy to me because he's their number three and performed well last season in that role. Uh, they're going to throw the ball a ton and they're going to have to throw it a ton. And I've talked about their brutal road schedule a bunch, but they're going to be down late in games a lot for half the season. Uh, this is good. This is going to be great opportunity for both Julio Jones uh, and Calvin Ridley. So I like him more. To me, the difference between him and, let's say, Devontae Parker, which they're extremely close in my projections, is that I, I think that I feel a slightly more confident that in Ridley because I'm sure we're getting 16 Matt Ryan games. And I think that is the, that's pretty much the tiebreaker for me for those two. But I, I, if you have them flip-flopped, I can't, I can't make a compelling argument why you shouldn't. So to argue my damn self, after I just made that poignant point about wide receiver one, the reason you love Calvin really has been a touchdown monster because if you play the Falcons, you're doubling and tripling freaking Julio. And sometimes that ain't good enough. So he's going to be out there. He runs a phenomenal post. He can flat get it. He runs a great go route. He's developing the comeback to deep in all that kind of stuff. But I agree with you. I, I, the biggest reason why I would want to take a shot on him here is the touchdowns. He's been a touchdown monster when he plays. He's got to stay healthy. He's got to be you – know, to me, he's got to be pushing 1A 
because he's mm-hmm. got to take over for Julio if he wants to stay there and get paid. And he's got to be pushing 1A. And I think he's capable of doing that. But he's got to take another step to be 17 for me. But I think it's all because of the touchdowns. Yeah, and he can, right? He can. He's got the talent. He's got a quarterback that can throw the ball. And most importantly, he's not going to see the best coverage because Julio Jones is on the other side of the football. So that's that's what – it's always taking advantage of that. And, and Calvin Ridley has shown that he's taken steps forward. So there's a lot of excitement for him coming into the year. The next guy on the list, Jamie, I love Keenan Allen. Like I, I feel like another kind of like – underrated superstar because of the market that he plays in and and the just the team overall right the chargers are a team that listen they fill up the stands with a bunch of fans that are not theirs and they just don't necessarily get talked about as often obviously the biggest storyline one of the bigger storylines of the offseason is that philip rivers is no longer the quarterback here so how did you factor that into keenan allen and, and his value as you went in because we haven't seen what that's going to look like yet. And that's why this makes this a, an extremely difficult projection. I kind of settled on that about 85% is productive. Um, I feel like that's a fairly conservative estimate. Let me read to you what his three-year average is, because I think it, it's crazy. His three-year average, 101 catches, 1,263 yards, and six touchdowns. Damn. That's his average yeah, over the last three seasons. Uh, <laughs> fifth in the NFL in targets in that time. I mean, it, it, now, the quarterback situation is different. Tyrod Taylor and Justin Herbert as a rookie are no Philip Rivers. And uh, as much as Philip Rivers got criticized for his turnovers last year, he's still slaying the ball around pretty damn good. He just, just sometimes it was to both teams. Uh, so to me, I had to kind of settle on where I thought was a reasonable value. I kind of settled at about 85%. And that landed him at wide receiver 16 for me. He's going as the wide receiver 20 in drafts right now. I under, there's more risk with him than the guys around him because he is the only one dealing with a, a different quarterback to begin the season that we've talked about so far in this list and probably the only one we're, go, we're going to talk about uh, aside from one other person, I guess two other people. So we're not kind of hitting this range of elite talents that have new quarterbacks. But to me, I think he has so much room to regress and still be a great wide receiver too that I'm more than confident taking him at 16. Man, you talked me into like my whole entire argument was shot. I was about to be like, this is one of my top stayaways. But, damn, that makes a lot of sense, dude. I mean, like 85% of those numbers, the biggest thing that I have a, a problem wanting him – these are talking about top eight guy, right? Like yeah, every year. talent-wise. Talent, yeah. Top eight. Love the player. Love him with Phillip Rivers. Tyrod's whole job is don't turn over. It's be mm-hmm. anti-Phillip Rivers. Check to a run. Check it down. Ah, I don't know how much there's going to be of Phillip was forcing it to Keenan Allen a lot. He's a yeah. great run after the catch when he's you know struggled with those injuries for a while. A lot of those bubble screens, that kind of stuff. I like when you got him, dude. I, like, I was going to say, like, this is a stay away. It scares me too much. But at 80, 85% is a solid wide receiver, too. When you're talking about the wide receiver one on the team, again, man, it makes a lot of sense. I, I like it. You, you talk, Matt, you totally, totally messed me up with that one. I'm going to be watching this so closely. Sign me up for the hype squad of the Justin Herbert arm to Keenan Allen. Cause I will be watching that. Now that so would closely. change things a little bit. Oh yeah. yeah. And uh, so they're going to be really good. Are we going to get Herbert? They're so, going to be re- if Tyrod doesn't turn over Jamie. Are they not going to be really, really good? Jake, you know, be. though, you it know, we're but, in LA, right? We're in LA. We're going to be watching them on TV. If Herbert is there and he is shining and the storylines are all over the place. And he ain't he going to shine because you ain't going to see him. We'll see him on TV. They're going to be on uh, Hard Knocks. We're getting them. Yeah, dude. I, I don't I mean, Hard Knocks ain't getting nobody a job. 
Because so, you well, know what you're not going to see? You're not going to see Tyrod. You're not going to see Tyrod turn it over. He's going to be the starter week true. one. And they're going to be damn good. So the, the split I, I kind of – because, again, I, had, I, I considered QB splits here. I went 9-7 in favor of Tyrod. That's kind of okay. where I, I, I went there. Because uh, I believe that's where their bye week was. I believe their bye week falls in week 10. I figured if they're going to make a move, maybe they do the, the two-week deal. Um, but to me, even, even at the numbers they have right now projected for Keen Allen, that's less than eight targets a game. Like, yeah, I'm not great. expecting him to be a 10-target-a-game guy. I'm not expecting him to be the top five in the league like he was. Like, I'm expecting seven to eight targets a game for him to get to these numbers. So there's a lot of risk here because we don't know what the situation is. But there's also – I'm factoring in a decent amount of regression here that I also think there's upside at where he's yeah. going right now, especially since he's take, being taken at 20. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, yeah. that's really potentially good value, especially if he does cons- – stay at that consistency because you've shown three years in a row and you're factoring in him taking a loss and still being a good value. So I think that's, that's great news when you're looking at this and, and factoring in all the projections. So that's why important to pay attention to how Jamie's factoring all this in, right? Because he's, he's looking at things. He's talking about, okay, so I, I don't know what the quarterback situation is going to look like. He's going to take a 15% regression and all, cause then, and then all of a sudden you're going, Hmm, okay. He's, he's at 20 and He's, you're factoring in all the regression. Jamie's got him at 16. I kind of like him there, right? All of a sudden, because then there is upside. Because if he does play at the high level or we get Herbert earlier on and he puts up big numbers, I mean, Phillip Rivers wasn't exactly spectacular last year and he still put up big numbers, right? Hey, I mean, that's, like this. I wanted to blow this one up, but this is why yeah. I said like three shows ago, like Jamie's <laughs> numbers are freaking awesome. Like yeah. that was the final nail in my coffin. I'm, I'm hammering myself here. You're telling me he's going 20. <laughs> He's a top eight dude, the number one receiver on his team. And Tyrod Taylor, by all accounts, is an NFL quarterback. Yeah. Which means he can throw it at least functionally. He's better than that. I'm, I'm not saying that at all. I like Tyrod Taylor. Are you telling me you're going to get a top eight talent, a wide receiver one on a damn good team at 20? Sign Factoring, me up. That yeah. was the final nail in my coffin for any argument that I was going to make that I didn't like where he had him because that was – <laughs> Hope you can hear me. That was just awesome. Yeah, off that for Jamie because that was that's perfect. Yeah, I love that information. It's always good to to break it down and and realize where kind of where everything's coming from. Uh, number fifteen on the list here, Jamie. You have Robert Woods. Uh, what do you like about him going into this year? Consistency, high floor. Uh, the last three years finished as the wide receiver sixteen, wide receiver thirteen, and wide receiver sixteen on a points per game basis. You know, Brandon Cooks is no longer there. He's he never. I mean, never leaves the field for them. Uh, they will pull, they pull Cup off the field before they pull Robert Woods in, in certain scenarios if you look at his, his snap count. So um, I, I think the Rams are going to throw a ball a ton because they're going to have to throw the ball a ton. Uh, and I, I'm getting a pretty high volume of targets. Uh, he's, not, again, he's not a big touchdown guy. You know, he's probably going to be around a small handful of them. But uh, I think he'll be over 1,100 yards. He'll flirt with 90 catches. Doesn't miss a lot of time usually. Uh, I'm just going to get a ton of targets. I think he, he can be north of 130 targets. So when it's all said and done, the volume uh, is going to provide a lot. He doesn't have wide receiver one upside, but he's got a very high floor. And right? like he's the perfect wide receiver two uh, for your team. And that's where he's finished. He's finished as a top 16 wide receiver on a per game basis three years in a row. Um, you know, two years ago, he was a wide receiver nine in total points. Um, I, I think that's asking a lot, but I, I love where he's going now. I mean, he's going as the wide receiver 19. I have him four spots higher and, so he gets a high floor guy, you know, you just know what you're going to get with him. You, you stick him in your wide receiver two spot and you are thrilled every single week that you're going to get that level of production almost every week. You just described it perfectly. The, the ultimate wide receiver two. 
He can play all three positions on the offense at receiver. He's an ultimate pro. He can move around. They can put him in the slot if they want to put Cup outside. They can do different things. He can play both outside positions, which means the reason he never comes off the field is because he can do all that. He'll block. He does everything. And that was just perfectly described. Now, this next dude, I can see why you got those numbers. Like, that one's like the perfect makes sense. I love this next guy. We, there might we not be anybody in the league in a worse situation. Yep. I'll, say, I'll say his name, Allen Robinson. How are you getting to 137 targets? So I looked up what his – I'm assuming he's still going to get a similar-ish target share to what he got before. Um, I also don't have – I have, I believe, a 12-4 split between Foles and Trubisky with Foles getting 12. Because um, I, I wasn't ready to fully commit to 16 games of Nick Foles yet, uh, even though the Bears seem to be willing to do that. Um, this one was tough for me because I want to have him higher. I, we, I, we have professed our love for Allen Robinson on the show for a while now. He's going as a top 10 wide receiver in drafts. But I just am not a fan of Nick Foles. I am just really not. And I think it is going to be a downgrade for Allen Robinson from Mitchell Trubisky. Like he would be a top 10, he would be a top 10 wide receiver for me if Trubisky was the starter. Um, but there's still a lot of concerns about the other options there. I know they have 80 million tight ends, but I, I still don't think, I don't think Jimmy Graham's getting 100 targets or 80 targets or something like that. Uh, I, I don't, Anthony Miller, I love, but he's got to stay on the field. And then what do you have, like Javon Wims? And I mean, this is just, there, there aren't other options there. I think they're going to have to lean on Allen Robinson and Tariq Cohen a ton. I think those are the 200 plus target guys on the Bears offense this year. I, I want to have him higher, uh, but like to me, it, it's just, even, even I'm not even super confident in my projection of him right now as the wide receiver 14, just because I, I'm not a fan of the quarterback situation. I hate the quarterback situation. I, I don't like, and there's not much about I, this that I love other than the player. I freaking love like this. He might be in the worst situation for a superstar receiver in the league. I, I don't feel I, I, as much as I want to get chairs of him again. And I had a couple of different leagues last year and in Trubisky was awful for the first six weeks, eight weeks. He still put up numbers. He's capable of doing it through all of that. But what you just described to me was a lot of double teams and a lot of eight yard curls and hitches and not a lot of big plays. I just don't see a lot of big plays for Allen Robinson, this offense this year. And that's what scares me. I like where you have him. He's definitely not top 10, even though he's a top 10 talent. This poor guy, man. Like I, I just, I feel for it. Cause it's not just Chicago. I mean, it's this guy's whole career. Like, can we just get Johnson effect? It's, it's so, I, I feel for him. He's, he's a good core. He's a, a great teammate. Him and Mitch, by all accounts, have great chemistry together. So I find that a very interesting uh, part of this whole scenario because they've been working out together. Um, I'm, I'm still, I know I will stay here forever. And I know that everybody wants it. And I argued, I argued with Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino yesterday about this or a day ago. Show me, show me training camp and everything with the full stuff before I'm fully bought into he's going to st- I get everything that happened. Hey, I'm going to tell you right now, Trubisky's going to look better. I know. I'm going to start because money talks. I don't know. They man. gave him too much to be the backup. Period. Well, they just, they make such irrational decisions. This team does nothing logically. I didn't so say I, it made sense. I just said Trubisky is going to outplay him. He's going to run the offense they want to run better, I think, in training camp. I think he's going to look, he finished the year good. Confidence seemed, I think this, this competition is going to be good for Trubisky. It's going to be bad for the coaching staff, but they gave him too much money. Money talks. Period. You ain't paying Foles that much money to be the backup. I'm going to break all the COVID rules for this scenario. If Trubisky plays like how I want him to play in training camp, 
I'm going to go to bourbon a and lose my mind. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to break the COVID rules and lose my mind. If this scenario plays out, because gosh, I, and I, I feel for Alan Robinson, the newest addition to my bears Jersey collection, a Rob, cause I'm rocking for you, dude. I feel for you. I feel I'm like watch, watching the whole, he's, he's so good. He's so talented. 27. I know. Like he feels like he's been around forever. I'll bring oh, up his age really? every year in the show. Like he's, he's going to be 27. Young. Like super young. He's got but, 10 years. Like he's got another yeah. decade if he stays healthy. For uh, sure. I just. It's next guy on the list. Also a guy, I think the, uh, there's, there's going to start being like, I think in the background of our, of our videos, I'm going to start hanging like a TDN fantasy crush list. And we're just going to start putting the guys that we kind of crush on. Uh, T.Y. Hilton's definitely a guy that makes that list. A, 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 a superstar, <laughs> a superstar that's not Gee, a diva why? that, yeah, <laughs> Jake's doing a TY dance. Like we, the, this is a guy who doesn't get talked about in the same category as some of the other guys, but is just as talented as all those dudes that gets that talk. And man, oh man, I'm excited to see what we're gonna get with him and Philip Rivers this year. I'm getting tons of TY Hilton shares uh, right now. So he's my wide receiver 13. He's going as the wide receiver 24. Thank you very People much. have forgotten about T.Y. Hilton because he was hurt last year. People, I, I, I wish you could see Jake right now. Jake. I took the hat People off. People have Dude. forgotten wow. how good T.Y. Hilton is. People have forgotten what Philip Rivers can do when he's slinging the ball around. I, I love T.Y. I, I have him projected for only 14 games, but I still, even at that point, I have him just outside of wide receiver one range. He is going to have a phenomenal season. Uh, I don't know what people. I don't know what people are expecting. Where else is the ball going to go? T.Y. Hilton's been nothing but productive when he's been on the field. He's got an upgraded quarterback this year from last year. What is there not to like? Someone's got to break this to me. Why? Why he's barely going inside wide receiver two territory? Uh, here's a here's a question for you. When's the last time Philip Rivers played behind an offensive line like this? Probably never. never. With never. this kind of running game. Never. never. So you just told me why Keenan Allen was an absolute freak. So basically plug – I like the 14 games because T.Y. is a dog. He'll play through anything. We've proven that. We've talked about it. But he's still going to – he's a little guy, and he plays hard. Like, so 14 games. You're telling me he's not on that three-year average you just gave me for Keenan Allen? It's the exact same dude. Now playing with the same quarterback behind a better offensive line. Yes, they want to run it, but they ran it a ton in, in San Diego and L.A. Sign me up for waiting on one four. Are you shitting me? Guys. Yeah. Sign and me up I, for waiting and getting those two guys. Like, I'll, I, I'll, I think I'll, he can, thank you. He can match that, that yardage touch. I don't, I don't think he's gonna be a hundred catch guy, but everything else he can do. Like, I think he can flirt with 1200 yards and six touchdowns, all this stuff. I think he's, he's oh, very, yeah. it's very doable, but I just, if he plays, I don't know. 16, I, don't know I think he gets to 90 pretty easy. Yeah. Yeah. If he gets all six, if he plays 16. So I, I don't know what, I don't know what, we're, are we missing something? Finally, or, go back like, a couple years. You're talking about a deep threat. You're talking about a well-rounded guy, a true wide receiver one. He just he struggled with injuries the last couple of years, but he played through them all and still was productive. Like, yeah. Tough, is, yeah. Wow. That is like oh, – there needs to be like – you guys need to write articles. The forgotten man. That is that's, Yeah. It, it's just – and again, for TDM Premium members, I, I do a, I do a write-up uh, inside of the Eisner Board Draft Guide about why T.Y. Hilton is, is my, my favorite sleeper value at the wide receiver position. I, I, I don't understand – it's, it's just one of those ones that it just shocks me every time I see it. I'm getting just a tremendous amount of T.Y. Hilton shares where he's going. Yeah, I, 
Man, I, I don't get that one at all. And I mostly, I feel like I'm going to bring this up regularly, but people need to remember that Phillip Rivers went from having a bottom five offensive line to now playing for a top five definitively, but maybe the best offensive line in all of football. That, that cannot be understated. And oh, by the way, they have Jonathan Taylor and Marlon Mack and Naheem Hines. This is, an, uh, this is going to, I just, I don't get by it. By the way, go back to what I said about Phillip Rivers playing and in Indy people. Listen to me. This, this, nobody talk. That's what Phillip Rivers is going to hear when he's out there changing the play at the line of scrimmage on every single play. Nothing. Because Peyton Manning said it. It's per- the best home field advantage you can play in front of as a quarterback. He's always going to be in the right play. The worst home field advantage. Right. Yeah. <laughs> quarterback. Always going to be in the right play. I'm expecting big things from Phillip Rivers, and I love T.Y. Hilton at that value. Yeah, that's honestly insane to me. But please sign me up for sign me up for shares of both those guys that we talked about most recently. Um, okay, the last two guys here we're going to get into. Uh, Minnesota Vikings now, Adam Thielen without Stephon Diggs. This was always the game we played, right? This was always the, okay, these two guys, they would be kind of in the top 10, top 15, and you go, okay, which guy do you want? I was always, I want Adam Thielen. And it never really, it, it never really hurt me on, with the exception of some of the injury stuff, but he was always the guy that I felt more comfortable having. Jamie, obviously now Stephon Diggs is gone. So you feel even more confident in having a guy like a Thielen on your team because he's not going to be taken away from with Stephon Diggs on the roster. I do, and, and I, I, I suppose it's weird because part of me feels like I was conser- a little conservative here, but I'm, I'm two spots higher than the ADP. My only, my only knock on Hilton, uh, excuse me, on Thielen, aside from the injury concern, is that with the addition of Justin Jefferson, I can't see him playing any more in the slot this year than he did last year. Uh, and ideally, I think for him to be to threaten to be a top six wide receiver, he has to play the majority of his snaps in the slot like he did in, in 2018. Uh, but that being said, he's still going to be the guy there. He's going to get more targets. I think we're going to see a small but noticeable uptick in passing offense with Kubiak versus Stefanski. Not a lot, but just a little bit more uh, for Kirk Cousins, which is going to me provide more targets and more catches for Adam Thielen. Uh, so I, I like him this year. I, I think he's that borderline wide receiver run there. He's right there at that wide receiver 12 spot for me. I think he can flirt with a thousand yards and eight scores. I haven't played 14 games as well. So similar to, to T Y Hilton. Um, uh, so to me, it's, I think his upside is capped by not playing more in the slot, but he's still going to produce, produce really strong numbers. And I'd be perfectly okay with him, especially if you went running back, running back to start your draft, I'd be thrilled to have him as my top receiver option. I don't know that I agree there. Uh, I agree with where you have him. I agree with the numbers. I agree with all of the philosophy. I don't know if I want running back, running back. I wouldn't rather have Calvin Ridley or Robert Woods or Dancher T.Y. Hilton or Keenan Allen or maybe even Devontae Parker. Looking at these guys on, on the, you know, go, as we go down here, I'm a little worried about what I see. He always, anytime I've ever worried about Adam Thielen, he's always put up. He does, like, to Paige's point. I just don't know what we're going to see here. I agree with you wholeheartedly that he's better in the slot. I don't think he's going to play there a ton. And he's now the one. So if you're going to roll coverage one way, you know, Justin Jefferson's not a burner. Damn good route runner, damn good hands. But Diggs was a burner. You had to roll coverage that way. So if you're going to roll any extra coverage to Thielen, I don't know. I could see I, I'd probably put him closer to 18. I, this one scares me a little bit. If he, if he goes where I think he's going to go, but you're saying the ADP is, I, I'm not touching that at all. Not, not with all this value we've already talked about, these guys below him. Yeah, I think I've, I, depending on depending on what happens, right, and how every draft shakes out, I already am, like, 
have like some locks in my head. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get, cause man, I hope this, I hope some of these drafts continue to stay at that position. Obviously as drafts start to pick up in the midway point of July, things will shake out and we will continue to talk about where some of these players are getting drafted, especially as we get into training camp and things start to pick up significantly in the NFL. Uh, last guy on the list here, and, and then we'll get into our top 10 on our other podcast, on the next podcast this week. Number 11, Amari Cooper. Signs a big deal this offseason with the Dallas Cowboys. This offense obviously now has CeeDee Lamb and Ezekiel Elliott, and there's a lot. There's a lot. There's a lot there. There's a lot to like, but this Amari turned into the version of what we wanted to see when he got traded to Dallas. This was the version that a lot of people wanted to see for a long time. And now he's locked up long-term in, in Dallas. So Jake, where do you, where do you have Amari Cooper? Cause I'm, I'm guessing because there's so many Cowboy fans that draft that his ADP is going to push him up when, when we come time to, to real, to really get into draft season. Where's his ADP? That's all I want to know at this point. What's, uh, what's it's, right, it's right now. Let me double check. But it is wide receiver 13. Ooh, shocking. Okay. okay. It, is, it actually is a little bit shocking. So they've got him right outside wide receiver one. I like where you have him. I think he's a wide receiver one, but towards the bottom of the list. But let me ask you this. T.Y. Hilton and Amari Cooper, who's a better player? Neither one of you answered fast. T.Y. Hilton. Yeah, when healthy. Okay, so I think it's going to be answered fast. Yeah. So it's it's close, right? Yeah, okay, it's close. Yeah. Um, very similar situations. Other than Ty is more of the number one because Gallup's there and they got CD Lamb and all that kind of stuff. But they want to run it. Good offensive lines. Quarterback play should be good. I'm taking Ty Hilton at that ADP all day over Amari Cooper. I expect him to have a solid year. I love the numbers that you have here, but they're not groundbreaking. They're not hundred million dollar receiver numbers. They're just really, really solid wide receiver ones. And where you're going to have to take him, like I'd rather have him than Adam Thielen, to your point a second ago. Like if I went running back, running back, and I got Amari Cooper, I'd much rather go that route than Thielen. But I, I can't even come close to liking him as much as some of these other guys at that ADP. I mean, this T.Y. Hilton thing is throwing me for like a – I'm, 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 back to, I'm back to doing it on the screen you're right back now. back to the T.Y. dance. I just – I mean – I don't get it. I don't get it. But I, I love where you have him. I can't make an argument. Any, I mean, other than he had the this, this stuff last year. But he was, it wasn't healthy. He still put up numbers. He fought yeah. through yeah. it. I have yeah. nothing but great things to say about Amari Cooper. I just – I like him right there, 11 and 12. Is there yeah. any concern, Is there any concern, Jamie, obviously, with the fact that you've got a new offense or are you just banking on the fact you that Kellen Moore is – Yeah, Kellen yeah, I mean, Kellen Moore yeah. is still calling the play. Yeah. No, I don't have okay. any worry about that. I don't think C.D. Lamb is, is stealing a ton of targets. Like, I think it would be – I think it's optimistic to assume he's just going to replace Randall Cobb's target share. So, I, I don't think he's going beyond that and putting up these crazy – unless somebody gets hurt. But if everybody stays healthy, I don't see Lamb – um, just eating into either Gallup or Cooper's production enough to be significant there. Look, I don't have him projected for quite these numbers, but his 16-game average with the Dallas Cowboys, he's played 25 games so far, but a 16-game average is 85 catches, 1,225 yards, and nine touchdowns. They throw the ball a ton. They're going to continue to throw the ball a ton. Um, you know, he's, I like seeing him fight. Through, I mean, he would struggle at times, but he fought through that injury, which was nice to see last year because he was hobbled for a few weeks there, and that's partly why Michael Gallup got so many targets in that stretch there in that like mid, mid to late portion of the season. Uh, yeah, again, I, I have him as – I actually have T.Y. Hilton projected with more points than Amari Cooper, 
on, on a per game basis, but I, you know, some of my rankings are factor in, you know, injury, injury chance, injury risk, potential upside, high floor. So it, it's not just a straight, you know, back projection, but I think it's very close there. I think all, I think 11, 11, 12, I mean, a lot of these guys are, I think pretty much 10 through 13 are extremely close and you can kind of interchange them based on your personal preferences and based on your team structure, depending on how much injury risk you want to take on. But um, he's going to put up plenty of numbers. Uh, I'm not worried about it. He's still going to be above 100 targets. So he's a, he's a perfect guy to grab at the very end of wide receiver one territory. I don't think he's got top three or top five wide receiver upside, but I think he's going to be a pretty high floor option for you. I'll give you one optimistic view is that I've talked about a lot with this defense. Secondary is weak. If the linebacking core sustains injuries, and there's a lot of risk there, Sean Lee, Van Der Esch, Smith, I, they've all had massive injury histories. If any of those guys get hurt at the same time, this defense is going to be bad. If that pass rush, which is a huge question mark, can't get home, they're going to be better going to throw it more. So I, I, I would add maybe, maybe a little bit of a bump there if that scenario happens, but he's still not top eight. So I, I like where you have him. I mean, that, that's a, if you take Amari Cooper at 11 or 12 in your draft, you're going to be, you're going to be perfectly fine. He's a super yeah. well-rounded guy. He's going to put up numbers. I like the ADP there. 13. That's, that's really good. Um, I'm, I'll be interested to pay attention to how that fluctuates as we get into uh, a lot more people drafting and a lot more people getting, getting into it, uh, especially considering we know what the Cowboys do, right? We know, we know how much Cowboys training camp coverage we're going to get. We, <laughs> we're, we're used to uh, getting a lot of the star and we're going to get a lot of that uh, this, this upcoming uh, month and a half as, as it leads into the season. All right, guys, final thoughts on today's podcast. Jake, I will let you go first. T, why? <laughs> T, why? I was in Indy. My dad drafted in the third round out of Florida Atlantic. He has been nothing but a stud ever since. Doesn't matter the quarterback. I expect a monster year for T.Y. And at that freaking ADP, it might be my best value of anything we've talked about, period, end of story. I'm all in on it. I love it. Yeah, Jake and I are going to have to fight in our TDN draft of how far ahead of ADP do we draft T.Y. Hilton. It's going to like matter like draft position again as we stole each other's picks. We're like, what, we were like two picks apart last year or something, and we just stole all each other's picks? Yes. Um, so I look forward to that this year. Uh, I want to mention one more name that we did not talk about today, and he's further down the list. This is more of a late-round flyer, but he's a name we've brought up on the show before. Uh, given Kelvin Harmon's season-long injury, that kind of brings Steven Sims Jr. back into, like, I'm kind of interested in territory there. Uh, in the final three games last year, he caught 16 passes for 190 yards and four touchdowns. Um, he was a really strong play. But more importantly, over the last um, – after week 10 bye – so after Washington's week 10 bye, he averaged 6.6 targets per game. That's incredibly intriguing to me as somebody that is going like just beyond undrafted right now. Uh, so th I don't know who that number two receiver is going to be in Washington, but there's not a lot of competition for Steven Sims Jr. at this point. You know, Trey Quinn's going to be in the slot. You know, everybody's been waiting for Cody Latimer to be a thing for like seven years now. It's, it's never going to be a thing. Um, you know, Gandy Golden's a rookie. Like, there's a lot of those pieces there, but I think Steven Sims Jr. can be that number two, and in that very short stint last year, he performed very well, right as Dwayne Haskins started to get a little bit better. So uh, that's a kind of name to watch as a last-round flyer for you that he was a player that I used in my leagues in the fantasy playoffs and in DFS as a cheap option late in the season last year. I think you got to keep an eye on him because he's, again, Washington's going to be another one of those teams where they ignore everybody except maybe Darius Geis, who I want nothing to do with, with his injury history. Uh, they're going to know everybody on that team except for Terry McLaurin, who we all love. 
But somebody else is going to have to catch passes on that team besides him. It can't just be – it's not just – Terry's not catching 200 passes this year, so somebody else has to get the ball. And they don't have a tight end, as we talked about in the Njoku argument. They don't have a tight end that's trustworthy either. So where else is that ball going? Uh, and I, I think it could be Steven Sims Jr. Run after the catch freak and fun, fun, fun to watch, man. I, I love that one. I'm just going to do the T-Y dance too. Like I, it's just like just T-Y over and over again. Uh, I, don't, I don't really know what else to say other than I don't know how much football everybody watches if that's, that's where they think T-Y value-wise is. But God bless all of you for l- allowing all of us to uh, snake T-Y in a draft at a high value. Um, and I hope everybody listening to this podcast is, is going to start paying attention to some of those things. The, the value word gets used a lot on this podcast, but it is a philosophy that all three of us subscribe to. And it is something that is very helpful and it really, really matters. Um, and I think it's going to matter more now than ever before, because you're really going to have to stock your entire roster to make sure that you can account for everything that might happen this season. Uh, so, Jake, how can everybody follow you on social media? Jake B. Arians on Twitter. Uh, Jamie? You follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter. And if you haven't already signed up for TDN Premium to check out the Eisner board, I really suggest you do. It's got everything, quarterback, running back, wide receivers, tight ends, kickers, defenses, top 200, sleepers. But it's got everything, full stat projections of more than 200 players. Uh, it's, really, it's really good information to have if you haven't already. Uh, on top of all the other benefits you get from TDN Premium, trades in the mock draft machine, scouting reports, all that other awesome stuff. So, uh, please check that out if you haven't already. Uh, there'll be some other uh, premium exclusive fantasy content that pops up during the season that you that you want to be a part of. Uh, it's it's pretty affordable. And my last point of the plug: T.Y. Hilton's going in the fifth round right now. Just the fifth round of drafts. Not he's not going. He's not a top fifty draft pick. So just <laughs> something to be aware of as we continue to talk about tremendous values. Oh man, my arms the are going to get tired. Yeah, the T.Y. dance, we now look like we're uh, teaching aerobics here on the, on the uh, podcast today because we're all very excited about T.Y. Hilton, but value matters, and that's, that's the, uh, the theme of the podcast today. As always, you guys can follow me at the underscore sports page with an I on both Twitter and Instagram. Be sure to leave us a review. Uh, I had our first winner that I sent a T-shirt to that was Tom who left us a review. Really appreciate that. So I'm going to be looking for another one. So if you send those to any of us, uh, DM them to us, tweet, mention us, mention the show at TDN fantasy underscore on Twitter or at the draft network. If you mention any of those and you show us that you subscribed and gave us a review, uh, going to put you in a raffle for some TDN merchandise for this upcoming month. So uh, be sure to do that and let us know that you did it because we really, really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.